you'll uh, grab your Bible and stand with me for our scripture reading this morning. That God who is greater than all wants to produce in us the fruits of the Spirit, the Spirit fruit as we continue in that summer series. Turn to Galatians chapter 5, we'll be reading verses 22 through 26. As this Sunday, Pastor Bruce opens up the word to preach about the Spirit fruit of gentleness as we near the end of our summer series on the fruit of the Spirit. Once again, Galatians 5 verses 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Father, we come to you this morning and ask that you would open our hearts and minds to learn about the spirit fruit of gentleness and how to submit to you and have it produced in our lives and help us to um, just be changed by your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. How many thought summer was almost over? It's not. The weather tells us. And, uh, but it's good to be here. I'm glad you're here. And I hope you're excited as we continue in our summer series, The Spirit Fruit, or The Fruit of the Spirit that we've been in for the last few uh, Sundays here in our summertime. And today we're going to focus, as Zach said, on the spirit fruit of gentleness. And right now, most of the men here are probably ready to check out, right? Sure you are. After all, gentleness isn't going to win any football games. The Chiefs don't need more gentleness. They need players who are willing to get nasty out there on the football field. And it's certainly not going to work at the office or in the warehouse. And then I learned in my study this last week that the word gentleness that Paul uses is also translated for meekness. And then I knew I was in trouble this Sunday as we approach this subject of gentleness or meekness. Let's be real, gentleness and meekness, two words that are often seen as rather wimpy and weak. I mean, when's the last time you went to a seminar on meekness in the workplace? Anybody been to that seminar lately? All three of you? A few years ago, Robert Ringer wrote two best-selling books that encouraged people to be aggressive in the dog-eat-dog business world. He wrote, Winning Through Intimidation, his first book, and then he followed it with Looking Out for Number One. Scott Alexander wants you to be a rhino in his book, Rhinoceros Success. The summation of his book is this. He says, the secret of success is don't be a cow and just let each day kind of pass you by. Instead, be a rhino in charge after what you want in life. We live in a dog-eat-dog world. I mean, sometimes it seems as if we have milk-bone underwear on, and if we don't take care of ourselves, who's going to? So it's kind of easy, it's almost natural for us here this morning to think of gentleness or to think of meekness and to say, oh, that might be okay on Sunday morning at church, but listen, that's not going to work tomorrow morning when I go to the workplace. Or will it? I think you're going to be somewhat surprised 
by what God has to say about this spirit fruit of gentleness, or sometimes translated as meekness. There's a power in gentleness that kind of gets people's attention. And I will say, it's radical. We don't see a lot of it in our world today, in our culture today. The spirit fruit of gentleness or meekness. So what is it? Let's get a working definition going here. What is the spirit fruit of gentleness? Gentleness is simply the Christ-like response to the desire to lash out or to defend one's rights. As we said, gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. And it's a fundamental fruit to the health of our relationships, especially with people who can kind of keep us on edge, people who are pushy or offensive or or just plain irritating at times. And oftentimes, those people are the same people we live with and work with. In our world of Say what you feel. We're encouraged to kind of just give people a piece of our mind that will put them in their place or make our point to them. But as Christ followers, what we see here in our study over the summer months of the Spirit Fruit is that God wants us to respond, specifically in this context, with the Spirit Fruit of gentleness. So what I want to do this morning is answer three simple questions about gentleness. We're going to answer the question, first of all, where does gentleness come from? Second, we'll answer the question, what is the result of gentleness? And then third, we'll end by answering the question, how do we grow in this spirit fruit of gentleness? So let's look at it. Number one, the origin. The origin. Where does gentleness come from? Where does it come from? Because gentleness, I don't know about you, But if you're like me, it's not exactly natural to my human heart. I think we would all agree our natural tendency is to respond with harshness, not gentleness. So where does this come from, gentleness or meekness? Well, gentleness is a trait that only the Spirit can produce in our lives as we yield to Him. Gentleness is not something we can produce on our own. Why? Because real gentleness, the spirit fruit of gentleness, requires supernatural strength. In fact, the only way to be gentle or to be meek is to be under the Spirit's power. Which brings us to the question, am I strong enough to be gentle? Am I strong enough to be gentle? The reason I ask that question, notice in your notes coming up on the screen, is this, because gentleness isn't weakness. You need to get that in your mind. Gentleness isn't weakness. Gentleness is strength under control of the Spirit. Gentleness is self-control based on the Spirit's control of our lives. Now, the problem with this is it's just kind of out there. It's subjective. And it's kind of hard for us to really come to grips with it, embrace it in a practical way. So probably the best word picture to kind of help us see what gentleness looks like is a wild horse that's being tamed. So right now think of a wild stallion, wild mustang, and it's being tamed. We kind of even call it breaking a horse. You may be familiar with that term. A trainer has to break the stubborn, unbridled nature of the horse in order to get it to a place where it will submit to a saddle 
being on its back. Submit to a, uh, uh, a bridle in bit in its mouth and where the, the rider or the trainer can get on the saddle and can hold the reins of the horse and guide the horse, steer the horse, make it go where it wants to go. The horse is still very powerful. But that power is now under the control of a trainer or the one who's riding the horse. In fact, when the Greeks referred to a horse that had been broken, they used a verb to say that the horse had been gentled. Interesting. Because that's the exact same word Paul used for the spirit fruit of gentleness. So gentleness is like a wild horse with its power under control. So let me ask you here this morning, are you more like a wild Mustang in your relationships and how you respond to people, or are you a gentle horse? It's strength under control of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Jerry Vines writes, gentleness is power harnessed in loving service and respectful actions. The Methodist preacher Ralph Sockman wrote, Nothing is so strong as gentleness, and nothing is more gentle than real strength. It is a soft touch with a strong hand. Let me give you two examples of gentleness in action. Two examples, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. Let's look at the first one. Moses is probably the best Old Testament example of gentleness. Now, would we consider Moses weak? Was Moses a weak man? No way. Man, this is the same guy who stood up to the greatest power in all the earth at that time, Pharaoh. This is the man who walked into Pharaoh's court and told him, let my people go. Moses was not a weak man. He was far from that. But he he was mighty because he was meek. He was gentle in his response. You say, how do we know that? Well, you can go to Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, and it tells us, Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. What's interesting about that description of Moses is it takes place in Numbers 12, and the context there is Moses responded with gentleness when his brother and his sister, so two family members, who were giving him a hard time, they were mocking him, they were being disrespectful of him in relation to the woman he had married. I don't know about you, but if my brother, both my brothers started making fun of me because I married Darla, I don't know if I could with, be that gentle. Probably get after him a little bit. In the midst of this sticky situation, Moses showed great strength in his gentleness toward them. And then he goes a step further. Later on in the chapter, when his sister Miriam was stricken with leprosy, Moses implores God on her behalf. He cries out to God, Oh God, please heal her. This is right after she had just mocked him for the wife he had married, made fun of him, ridiculed him. And so he responds with gentleness. It's a great example, a great example, because our natural tendency is to lash out in that situation, is to defend my choice of a wife in that situation. Let's go to Jesus. Jesus is the best example in the New Testament of gentleness. 
Jesus was the most powerful man who ever lived. And yet his power was always under his father's control. Look how Jesus describes himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am, what does he say? I am gentle and humble in heart, Jesus says. And you will find rest for your souls. Jesus also tells us in Matthew 21, 5, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Was Jesus a weak man? There's some people that think that. I would suggest to you, no way. Jesus was anything but weak. Just follow Jesus into the temple courts and see him turn over the tables of the money changers. Watch him drive out the robbers with his whip. And yet he never lost his temper. Jesus welcomed children. They sat on his lap. He spoke to large crowds. But he was gentle enough to feel the touch of a sick woman whose fingers brushed the hem of his garment. That's true gentleness. It's ultimate power under God's control. When people came to Jesus, they felt rested, not harassed or pressured. So no wonder the common people loved him. They wanted to follow him. No wonder Paul tells the church at Corinth, a messed up church in 2 Corinthians 10.1, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. So you have Moses. You have Jesus as examples of gentleness, power under control. And that's one of the biggest things I want you to take away here this morning is gentleness or meekness is not weakness. It's strength under control of the spirit. It's self-control based on the spirit's control. Let's look a few minutes here at the outcome of gentleness. Number two, the outcome. What is the result of gentleness? What's the result of it when I display it in my life, when I show it in my life, when I respond with gentleness or meekness? Remember, gentleness isn't weakness. I can't say that enough here this morning. Please don't leave here with that that myth. It's strength under control of the Spirit, which means gentle people are far from wimps. They have tapped in to the source of the creator of the universe. Gentle people, you could describe them this way. They've been surprised by the mercy of God in their life. And so now they're willing to show that mercy to other people through gentleness or meekness. It's true that gentleness probably won't win you any football games. I freely admit that. In fact, I believe that so much, that's what I told my son Jack. He started football season yesterday, and I told Jack, Jack, if you, want to get, if you want to hurt somebody, football field is the place to do it. That's when it's okay. Get mean, get nasty, lay them out. Lay them out. Inflict pain on the opposing team there. At practice, he was all excited, like, Dad, man, I made five kids cry tonight. I'm like, go get them, son. Go get them. Just remember, after practice, after the game, you're the most gentlest person in the world. You tell them good game. You, you play with in, within the confines of the rules. You play with sportsmanship. But, hey, be a gentle man. It has nothing to do with being weakness, with being weak. All right? Gentleness won't win you any football games. 
But listen to me, gentleness will win and it will score high points in your relationships with people. It will score high points in your relationships with people. So let me share with you four results of gentleness. Four results. Number one, first of all, gentleness helps us respond to people in Christ-likeness. It helps us to respond to people in Christ-likeness. Gentleness is primarily a trait that enables us to respond like Christ did to other people. And while it's certainly true that it's easier to get close to someone when they have no rough edges, anybody know somebody that's perfect then? I didn't think so. The truth of the matter is we all have the capacity to rub each other the wrong way. In the Bible, it's amazing, gentleness is frequently placed in opposition to words such as harsh or violent, unrelenting and severe. In other words, gentleness is really, is grace in action. Gentleness gives grace to others, even when they're undeserving of it. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Have you noticed that there is something disarming? There's even something refreshing about gentleness, especially when we speak gentle words. People tend to respond to it favorably, positively. Gentleness diffuses a bad temper. Gentle, a gentle answer has a way of claiming, calming a turbulent situation. Proverbs 15.1 reminds us a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So one of the best ways that we can show gentleness is to monitor our mouths. That's hard to do, isn't it? James talks about that, the tongue. It's unbridled, going back to our horse, taming a horse illustration. Very hard to do on our own, which is why we need the Spirit's power. Our mouths have the power, and and my, my wife is really good about reminding our two boys this. Our mouths have the power to either build up people or to tear down people. Paul challenges us in Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Sometimes we just need to be reminded that no one is perfect except one, and that is our God. That means your spouse will disappoint you. That means your kids will fail you. That means your friends will let you down. That means your co-workers will irritate you. And even your pastor won't meet, meet all your expectations. And yes, times will come when you have a legitimate gripe with people in your life. You will be right. And they will be wrong. And at that moment you will find yourself standing at the crossroads of gentleness. Which path will you choose? Which path will you take? Harshness, or will you choose the path of gentleness? 
Stuart Briscoe, who's a pastor and author, he writes, gentleness is the strength of backing off from a fight you could win and a point you could nail down for the sake of the damage that would be done and for the greater issues at stake. In other words, what he's saying is the gentle person doesn't fight for his or her own rights, does not insist upon personal vindication, does not always have to correct others, does not return insult for insult, and does not use force and intimidation to get his or her own way. Instead, gentleness helps us to respond to people like Christ did. Strength under control. Self-control based on God's control of our lives. Number two, gentleness helps us restore one another in sin. It helps us to restore one another in sin. Sometimes Christ followers get caught in a web of sin. That's just the reality of our fallen nature, and we're still being redeemed. They wander away, they make poor choices, and sin overtakes them. And when this happens, the Bible challenges us not to talk about them, but to actually go to them and talk to them and to do it in a spirit of gentleness. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, which is the first verse right after Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit here in chapter 5. And he says in verse 1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression or sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. The whole goal of going to that person is restoration. In harsh words won't restore anyone. Have you found that to be true? Has harsh words ever helped you and restored your life? No. We tend to build walls up against it. But God can use gentle words to penetrate the hardest of hearts. The word restore here that Paul uses is an interesting word, has an interesting background. It actually refers to a surgeon setting a broken bone. As we all know, or at least some of us know, If you've ever broken a bone, it can be quite painful. And when you have a broken bone, you don't exactly want a doctor who just jerks and yanks it. Man, you want the doctor who's going to be gentle with you, caring and tender with you. Well, in a way, what Paul's reminding us here in Galatians 6.1 is that we are spiritual surgeons And our task at that moment as Christ followers is to restore other Christ followers back to God. And the way we should do this is gently, not harshly. Why? Well, Paul reminds us, hey, that could be us. That could be me. That could be you. Because we're all capable of falling into sin. That's why Paul reminds us to keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. So gentleness helps us to respond to people in Christ's likeness. It helps us to restore one another in sin. And number three, gentleness helps us to receive God's word. It helps us to receive God's word. Our response to God's word is an opportunity to show meekness, especially in our attitude. In fact, you realize every time you come to 
church like this on a Sunday morning, to sit in the worship service, or if you came an hour earlier, 9.30 to our discovery hour. Every time is an opportunity to demonstrate and to show meekness in response to the Word of God in receiving it. James chapter 1, verse 21 says, listen to it, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We should not treat God's word with apathy or indifference. Instead, we are to submit to it and be changed by it. God's word does us no good if we don't receive it and we won't receive it unless we have a teachable spirit, which is the attitude here in relation to meekness, receiving it with meekness, with gentleness, in humility. So are you teachable when it comes to God's word? Am I teachable when it comes to God's word? When you hear God's word taught in discovery hour, or when you hear it like we are here, preached in the worship service, are you willing to receive it and align your life to it. When you read God's Word in your quiet time, when you have your devotions during the week, do you receive with a gentle spirit what God is showing you in His Word? If you do, then let me tell you, you are on your way. God's Word will bring you great blessing and great benefit to your life. You're like, well, how do I know if I have a teachable spirit in relation to God's Word? How do I know if I'm receiving it with meekness? Well, James 1.22, later on in the chapter there, gives us the answer when he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. In other words, you know, each of us here this morning can know, we are responding with meekness when you not only hear the word of God and read the word of God, but when you also live the word of God daily in your life. Receive it with meekness, with a teachable spirit, ready to submit to it, ready to make changes in your life, realign your life to it. So gentleness helps us receive God's word. Number four, gentleness helps us to reach the lost. Gentleness helps us to reach the lost. Even the words we use to share the gospel should be characterized by gentleness. Peter writes to us, and he says in 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But listen, he then says, but do this with gentleness and respect. In other words, Peter is telling us that the grace of gentleness is vital in sharing the gospel. Why? Because a gentle witness has a greater chance of a favorable reception with that person than a rude and arrogant one. You know what? I, something I've learned here over the years, being in the ministry, is that most people can smell a self-righteous attitude a mile away. Have you found that to be true? You, you can just sniff it out. It's like, if we have it, it's like it's on your clothes. And you're just like, Ew. And you can't rub it off, you can't get it off. It's, Ew, yeah. You don't even want to be around that person because they have this 
stench of self-righteousness on them. It's as if they went in the backyard and stepped in, you know what? It just follows them around everywhere. And Peter's now telling us, listen, treat people, and especially those that are far from Christ, do not yet know Christ as their Savior and Lord. Treat people with gentleness and respect, no matter how far from God they may be living. As you interact, interact with lost people, as you mingle with them, as you work with them, play with them, whatever the case may be, let them see in your life the fruit of the Spirit on display in your life. And that's what will draw them to Christ. And that's when we can share with them the reason for the hope that we have. Do you not have a hope that this world does not have? We talked about this hope already in the series. A hope that Jesus is someday coming back. A hope that we have been redeemed and Jesus will return for us. That is a hope that goes beyond what the world knows about. And it's a hope that we need to share with those who don't know that hope. But we gain the right to do that when we put on the fruit of the Spirit and display it in our lives. They see it in us. They know we're authentic. We're genuine. We're gentle with them. Which brings us to our third point. Let's talk about the obligation of gentleness. The obligation. How do we show it? Show gentleness? Because the Bible is very clear that those who follow Christ, get this, will show Christ by showing gentleness. Philippians 4, 5, Paul makes quite a statement. In fact, he gives us quite a challenge when he writes, let your gentleness be evident to all. Whoa, that just ought to, you know, just stop us right in our tracks. Let your gentleness be evident to all. So how do we do this? How is our gentleness to be evident to all? Well, God will do his part. We can be thankful for that. God will do his part to produce the spirit fruit of gentleness in our lives. But we also have a part to play when it comes to showing gentleness. And let me give you our part. It's twofold. Number one, pursue gentleness. Pursue gentleness fervently or diligently. Listen, we can't just sit back and hope that someday we'll become gentle. We can't walk out of here going, let's see, gee, I hope by Thursday when I wake up and get out of bed, I'm a gentle person. That my wife has married a new man. We can't, it doesn't work that way. You can't hope to be gentle all of a sudden. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 6, verse 11, he says, but you man of God, or woman of God. Flee from all this. And then he says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance. And the last one he says to pursue is gentleness. Pursue it. The word pursue there. It's the idea to chase after it until you find it. So guys, go back to your days in high school when you were chasing after that hot chick in the hallway. <laughs> Girls, go back to your days when you were chasing after that guy. You chase after it until you find it. You pursue gentleness. And you do it fervently. You do it diligently. 
Are you pursuing gentleness in your life? Or are you just hoping that it will come to you? So that's the first part that we have. We have to own, pursue it. Number two is to put it on. Put on gentleness daily. Put on gentleness daily. Because once we find gentleness, we must clothe ourselves with it. Colossians 3.12 tells us, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So just like we put on our clothes every day in the morning, we must also put on the spirit fruit of gentleness for everyone to see. So let me ask you, what are you wearing today? Not physical clothes, but spirit fruit. What are you wearing? Are you wearing gentleness or are you wearing harshness in your life? So where does all this leave us as we come to a close? Where does all this leave us here this morning? I would suggest this, that it leaves us, all of us here today, it leaves us with a huge need for God's Spirit to work in our lives, doesn't it? In fact, it drives us to the Spirit. This Spirit fruit of gentleness to show it, to display it, it drives us, it forces us back to the Spirit of God. For no one can show gentleness on their own, all the time, without the Spirit's help. No one can live this way consistently apart from the grace of God. And here's the good news. God has plenty of grace to give through the power of His Spirit. All we have to do is ask Him for it. All we have to do is come to Him and ask, Dear Father, teach me the strength of gentleness. Remind me of this. Help me to show it to others through the power of Your Spirit. And we pray that daily. You know, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite times of the year. Believe it or not, it will be here before we know it. You know, next Sunday's Labor Day weekend. Then we'll be in October and Thanksgiving and then thanks, yeah, I mean, uh, Halloween and then Thanksgiving in November. And I tell you, Thanksgiving is one of my most favorite times of the year, favorite week. I mean, who doesn't love all the turkey and football, family and friends, right? It's just a great time. But I have to admit, that's not what I love most about Thanksgiving. What I love most about Thanksgiving is ESPN's annual Feast Week of College Basketball. Anybody here with me on that? All right, man, give it up. Woo, I love it. I mean, ESPN's Feast Week of College Basketball. In fact, listen to this. One sports writer wrote on his blog, and I quote him. I share his sentiments exactly. He says, this is one of the greatest weeks of the season. A week in which tournament games fill our televisions and computer screens nearly all day long. ESPN will serve up a meal of 52 basketball games with its feast week beginning Wednesday through Sunday. And some of you are going, man, that's nuts. I love it. Feast week of college basketball. You're like, where's he going with this? How's he ending with this? What is this? What in the world? Listen, 
calm down. I'm not asking any of you to watch 52 basketball games this Thanksgiving. But here's what I am asking all of us this morning. I'm asking you to be strong enough to take the gentleness challenge. And we're calling it Meek Week. Meek Week. You say, what's the gentleness challenge? Here it is. For the next seven days, strive to show gentleness in your life. Not in your own power, but in the power of the Spirit. This week, every morning you get up, remind yourself, it's meek week. It's meek week. Lord, help me to show gentleness to my kids, to my spouse. Lord, help me to show gentleness at work when I get in that situation where that coworker is irritating me. Lord, help me to show gentleness to that neighbor who won't pick up his stuff, leaves his stuff in my yard. Help me to show gentleness to that family member who's just, you know what, Lord, you know it. Help me to show gentleness for a week and see what happens. Are you strong enough to take the challenge? The gentleness challenge. In many ways, this is the challenge Paul gives us in Philippians 4, 5, when he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Will you take the gentleness challenge? Will you depend on the Spirit to be meek at least for a week and see what happens? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning. And we need your help. All of us do to show the spirit fruit of gentleness. It doesn't come normal to us. It doesn't come natural to us. Lord, our human nature wants to lash out in our response. It wants to defend. We have this natural tendency to be harsh instead of meek. And so, Lord, I pray that each of us will take the challenge that comes from your word to be meek for this next week. And to do so, not striving in our own human power, but in your power of your spirit. Lord, as we have this response time, I pray that each one will commit to that challenge through prayer to you. As the praise team sings, we pray these things in your name. Amen.